Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon. We are the twice-weekly podcart dedicated to celebrating the radio show turned podcart, Too Beautiful to Live. On Fridays, we bring you an appreciation piece. Sometimes we interview fans and play their favorite moments. Other times we have our friend Phyllis on to curate moments of the show from her exhaustive review of TBTL Pass. But last Friday, we put out what I thought was the best show we've ever done. Anne and Christy did a tour de Torre, a clip show all about OG sidekick Sean DeTore, and it is a must listen. I've listened to it twice already, and you will laugh many, many times. Uh, but this is Monday, so we'll just be giving you a straight-up recap of last week's TBTL. My name is Mike Frizzell, also known as The Jail Dude, and I'm in Kyle, Texas. And joining me from just up I-35 in Dallas is Meredith All the Way Mayhan. Hello, Meredith. Hi, Mike. And up in the Carter Subaru Studios... In Everett, Washington, we have uh, the nice lady, Christy Wise. Hello, Christy. Hey, guys. Oh, you don't sound good, Christy. She Are had a okay? sore throat. <laughs> I got a little something in there. Uh, we we spent uh, uh, all of last night looking for a 20-hour pharmacy, and uh, apparently when I'm sick and miserable, I sound like Bobby. Mm. Yeah, you sound, <laughs> like, like we said, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so obviously this is Bobby. I am in Pawtucket, not in Everett. Uh, Christy was to be your third host this week, but, uh, since she has fallen ill, uh, I am stepping in, uh, with no notes and very little preparation, uh, uh, inspired by every episode of TBTL. So, uh, I'm along for the ride today (laughs) and, uh, please excuse parts where I stammer more than normal. Okay. Uh, Mike, why don't you uh, lead us into some business here? In fact, you'll do that before we get into our Week in Review housekeeping and how to get involved. Sure. Um, The reason I've been missing the last uh, probably three shows, maybe four shows, is uh, I've been undergoing some health problems. I I have a lot of problems with my feet. I've had uh, diabetes for about 15 years, and it's kind of coming home to roost. I had two surgeries on, uh, on my left foot in six days in the hospital and uh i'm okay i'm a little bit mobile not too mobile but uh i'm doing okay the what what i wanted to to talk about was the fact that um and meredith i'm sure you can attest to this having had some major surgery there are no free rides in uh medicine and hospital stays like they really took care of me in there. They gave me a morphine drip. I was able to hit the button every 10 minutes and, you know, feeling pretty fine most of the time and also taking the the hydrocodone. And I mean, I was doped up. I wasn't feeling too much pain in the hospital. But when you, <laughs> I think uh, when you're often when you're in the hospital, they don't want to let you go until they keep asking you if you've like moved your bowels. Have you moved mm-hmm. your bowels? And they almost force you to lie so you, you can get out of the hospital. Otherwise, you'll be in there forever. So, uh, yeah, nothing happened while I was in the hospital. But I lied about it, and they let me out. And nothing happened, like, for the next three days either. And so the fact that you feel no pain for all that time, it really comes home to roost in the pain you're going to feel <laughs> later when you're tr- just trying to get back to your normal routine. Um, if I had to do all over again, I think I would take my chances with the foot pain and – uh and just try to keep keep things regular because that was awful. 
I you feel your you. pain, and I'm not going to give you any details because it was horrific. <laughs> but after I had major abdominal surgery, I mean, you have to do the whole, you know, take drink a jug of laxative and all that stuff beforehand. So there's already nothing in there. Mm-hmm. And then you're being pumped full of pain medicine, which can really stop you up. Right? Yeah. And then... They, they didn't even ask me. I don't think they were like, you know, <laughs> they, didn't even they were like, this is absolutely not going to happen. So just go home. Um, it took a long time. It took a long time. Oh, man. Yeah. No free rides. Like you, you can't get up to 335 pounds like I did and have a free ride later in life uh, <laughs> with, with your, um, with your health. And you also can't take uh, pain medication for six days and have a, a free ride uh, with your, with uh, your your regularity, so um, I guess that's uh, that's as much as I want to go into health wise. It's probably already too much. There are a couple updates though. Um, the the genetic test came back. Yes, yes. So I did a wisdom panel on him a couple of weeks ago because everybody was. That's always the first question yeah. I get when people meet him: is what, what in the world that? kind of dog is that? <laughs> and I didn't know, and we were sort of guessing. Like when we first got him, we thought maybe he was a lab puppy, but he's definitely not big enough mm-hmm. to do that. And I saw some Chihuahua in his face sometimes, but other than that, I really didn't know. I thought maybe he was Puggle. Um, so I got the results back earlier this week, and it turns out he's a quarter Chihuahua, a quarter Lhasa Apso. 12.5% Pekingese and 37.5% mixed breed, which is, that's not very informative, but mm. um, it, it doesn't surprise me. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a mutt. So uh, if you guys haven't seen it, if you're not my Facebook friend, you can head over and see the picture of him next to that weird pie chart of his makeup. <laughs> uh, the the Pekingese, it, that became obvious after I saw that. I was like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I went and looked up. I didn't really know what Las Opsos or Pekingese looked like off the top mm-hmm. of my head. So I went and looked it up and I can definitely see that's where that squished face thing comes in that I thought was pug. What The only thing that's still missing for me though, is he appears to have like three or four joints in his front legs. <laughs> and I just don't know where that comes. He's like, he has like spider turned out spider legs in the He's front. He's got and, elbows like bulldog elbows. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That must be the, the, the majority of him that is mixed breeds. Right. Right. Yeah, so he he put those elbows to good use. This is the second pup date. Um, so in, in his puppy school, we're working on staying calm when there's a knock or a ring at the doorbell, and we're trying to work on a strong recall so that he'll come to us when we need him to. Um, and something happened on Friday morning that made me realize we've got a lot of work to do on both of those fronts. And I'm going to place like 10% of the blame on TBTL because what happened is that there was a knock on my front door, and it was a delivery person dropping off my blue apron box. Um, so I distracted Eddie by throwing treats away from the door to keep him occupied while I open it. And I blocked the door with my foot and I quickly grabbed the box. It was right outside the door. And as I was pulling it back inside, Eddie darted through my feet and Mm -hmm. into the front yard. Um, so in, in his puppy school, we're taught to call him and run the other way and he should turn and follow. And that's a game that we play all the time. And it works like a charm in the backyard. But he saw a squirrel across the street and he just bolted after it. And he wasn't paying any attention to me whatsoever. So I didn't really have much of a choice. Like there was, I couldn't just keep running away. <laughs> he, he didn't care. <laughs> right. So You would lose track of him because you, now you've run away and he's yeah. run away. And yeah. And now I don't know where he is. I don't know which direction he went. So I was like, well, I guess I just have to chase this, this dog now. So I'm barefoot in my pajamas, which are a little more than underwear. It wasn't quite underwear, but it was not a good scene. And I had my keys in my pocket and they fell out into the front yard and my phone fell out and uh 
I chased after him. If he turned right, there's a busy street. Yeah. Luckily, he didn't do that. He went straight and then turned left, which is kind of the way that we always go on our walks, which mm-hmm. I think was probably a really good thing. Meredith, the busy street, if you turn right coming out of your house, the busy street's about what three houses away? It's like away? three houses away. It's not yeah. that far. He could have easily gone that way. And it was like nine in the morning. So it wasn't terrible traffic, but you know, there was some people going to work still. Right. So I was really concerned and uh, I was just, you know, chasing and shouting and, <laughs> and running. And uh, he was just having a great time bounding through people's yards and looking at squirrels. And he would stop every once in a while and I would think that he would, I would be able to get him or he would come to me. He was looking at me now and then. But eventually what happened is he noticed a cat on someone's front porch and he went to say hi. And uh, that cat bolted up a fence. And then he saw that the cat had a bowl of food on their front porch. So that was that's what stopped him. Mm-hmm. So he was eating this food and I was able to catch up to him and grab him. And then I had to basically just carry him home since I didn't have time to grab a leash. So mm-hmm. I was just like exhausted, panting holding this dog in my arms, like wanting to shake him and wring his neck. But uh, it, I was pretty rattled for like an hour after that. It was really scary. I thought he was going to die. <laughs> yeah. So the next, the next thing now is like, we obviously can't trust him and we have to put him in his crate every time we open the door. Mm-hmm. So. Well, one of our dogs, Abby, will bolt. And, uh, and she's pretty clever about it. You can block her from the door, you know, use your feet or whatever. But she can sense when you're distracted or have... Um, See, the last time she got by me, I was carrying a ladder in the door and she could see that I couldn't really manipulate my feet in such a way to block her because Mm -hmm. then I would smash the ladder into the wall. So she kind of goes, yeah, I don't think he can really, he's really up to this. This is my chance. Yeah. Just, it only takes half a second. Yeah. Yeah. And, And she'll only come back if she's convinced you have treats. Well, yeah. now I'm worried because he's like, well, now if I go run this way, there's food, there's yeah. fun cat food. So we have to be really careful with it. And the whole time I was running, I was thinking, oh my God, how am I going to explain this to my trainer? Mm-hmm. She's going to be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> As a reminder for everyone, uh, you guys got Eddie because Eddie was hitchhiking, right? Yes. yes. And so there's probably a history of this. Yeah. I wonder if he bolted out his first owner's front door and they couldn't get him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we don't have this problem with Cupcake. Uh, she's gotten out a couple of times since we moved. And it's always been when a bunch of other people are around the house and somebody just leaves the door open and she'll mm-hmm. eventually saunter out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in fact, yesterday we had a cookout and we had a bunch of people here. And I always worry about that when we have a lot of people over because somebody will just carelessly leave the door. Uh, but as it turns out, my brother-in-law brought his gigantic dog, Mongo, and after about a 30-second stare down from Mongo, who had to stay outside, and Cupcake, who had to stay inside through the screen door, Cupcake ran to the love seat in the living room and stayed there all day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went in and showed her a little love now and again. But she had zero interest in going outside and was mainly worried that Mongo might come inside. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm sure Mongo's a very nice fella, but I've seen pictures of him before, and I saw pictures of him yesterday that you posted. And uh, he, he's got to be pretty terrifying to mm-hmm. any other mammal. He's he what, a, a, a Rottweiler? Yeah, and he is big. Yeah. Um, and he had his tail cropped, as they do with a lot of rots. Uh, so his upper body, I guess they do that so that they'll have to get stronger to keep their balance. Somebody was explaining this to me yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so he is, I mean, a ripped dog. <laughs> he could do some damage if he wanted to. He's a dude bro of a dog. Yeah. And he's also a giant uh, idiot. I mean, giant head, <laughs> nothing in there. <laughs> dog is the dumbest dog. That's funny. Has I mean, some dogs like like 
Abby's really clever and has a tiny little head, her tiny little brain. And then mm-hmm. you get a dog that's head is 15 times the size and doesn't have a thought in their head. So yeah, meat head of a dog. Size Definitely. doesn't matter in that, in that case, I guess. That's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, week in review uh, Monday, Bobby, you got that one for us or yeah. at least some semblance of a recap for Monday? <laughs> I'll, I'll start with Monday, 2140, this American Legion, and I'll take it because I was there. Mm-hmm. Um Anne and Christy already gave us a pretty great recap of their experiences at the live yeah. show on the Friday show. So really, if you haven't listened yet, I will second to Mike's uh, call for you to go back and take a listen. Because beyond the Shawnee clips that were really, really great uh, and only drops from the bucket, we may need to have a, a Sean part two. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also did a great job talking about our time all hanging out together Uh in the Twin Cities. Uh, but the episode itself, and I went back and listened to the edit this morning just to hear how it all came together on tape. Live at the American Legion, uh, the setup was really great. The audience was really well engaged. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that in addition to Luke and Andrew being at a table, um, Stu was at a lectern on stage off to the side playing sort of that announcer, hype man, third mic role. And uh, it it was a great visual impact of the way the show runs when Stu is on in studio with them. And I really enjoyed having him there, even though he didn't talk as much as he would if they were all in studio. Uh, Episode opens with uh, a discussion of hot dish, which if people don't realize necessarily is just the upper Midwest term for casserole. Mm -hmm. And Luke doesn't understand that tater tots and cream of mushroom soup would be in the same one. Um, we don't have to take a deep dive on that. I'm just bummed that nobody brought a hot dish to yeah. the live show. I would have liked to eat that. Yeah. It, um, these these folks in the Midwest, I mean, Anne's thing is baking, but you would think that there some people would have thought to bring some hot dish or maybe uh, that cuts into the Heggie's Pizza um, <laughs> concession there. Maybe you're not allowed to bring a hot dish in. Oh, and I ate some Heggie's Pizza and oh. it was pretty spectacular. Really? Gosh, I want to. Do they ship I it? Know. Um, I don't think they do, but if you go to the Heggie's website, it's one of the better websites that I've ever seen. Uh, it's kind of a mess. Heggie's Uh, if you click on the different things on there, one of the pages on their website is a map of where you can find Heggie's pizza. Mm. And when you click on it, I believe it's just, uh, yes, it's a map, an outline of the state of Minnesota. And it says here. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the, edge, on the edges of the border, it says some here, some here, here too, down here. And then up in the north for Canada, it just says not here, eh? Oh, man. So, <laughs> so nowhere near Texas, I guess no. is what you're saying. I mean, it's on I-35. Get a truck. Come on. Not really? Or it's kind of downhill, right? So you could just right. kind of put just it on a coast. skateboard and push. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Heggies, oh, you know what? I want to get into the Heggies a little bit more. Christy mentioned this, but, um, there's a specialized oven behind the bar in the bar area, not the function room, but the bar area of the Legion. And it's, it looked like a large VCR and it was just big enough for one tray that came out the exact size of a Heggies pizza. Mm -hmm. And so my guess is that when they sell you these Heggies pizzas, you just buy the oven from them too because i don't think you'd make anything else in it yeah that's weird. Uh, i've never and, heard of anything like that and they only had one so if you wanted a pizza but somebody's was in like when i bought mine somebody's pizza had 15 minutes left on it so i had to wait for that one to get done 
And then they rotated mine in for its 20 minutes in the oven. And then they brought know, me out my pizza. I think that might add to the deliciousness factor of it. Because by the time you actually get your Heggie's pizza, you're beyond hungry. And that adds like 10 points of deliciousness mm-hmm. to anything if you had to wait. Yeah. Also drunk. That yeah, didn't and a little bit drunker too. I mean, sure. Yeah. Uh, something I want to mention about Stu at the Heggie's desk monitoring social media. Um, before Let's just the call show. Carl White Castle. <laughs> I'm not laughing at the joke. I'm laughing at the interruption. So. <laughs> uh, now I'm laughing at the joke. Uh, I I brought a couple of presents on behalf of Little Red Bandwagon for Luke and Andrew. And before the show, I went to Stu and I said, "Hey, could you uh, get these to the to the guys?" I just meant throw them on the table up there. I don't want to go up on stage. And Stu took that as stop down the show. And hand deliver them on the air for us. And I'm so glad he did. So that was the. Uh, yeah, it worked out well. Mm-hmm. That was the dustpan and broom for Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> who seemed immediately pleased and wanted to play with them. And then the <laughs> uh, the uh, daytime Emmy Award winner, Luke Burbank, rubber stamp, which to explain, I think we just all agreed that he would get a hand cramp if he had to write that out every time he had to fill out. <laughs> right. Right. Which of course he would do. Right. <laughs> so I'm glad that they enjoyed that. Uh, we got Sue Nelson, the ballpark organist for the Minnesota Twins, who was a delight. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those things I think could have gone in a lot of different directions. And I think it went in the right direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, given the lack of prep or any idea of how she would jive with <laughs> the boys. <laughs> she had a good vibe. She was like real laid back and she was like getting in where she could fit in. And Yeah, I mean, just sarcastic enough to... Yep. Really jumping in and try it. Uh, Christy did leave some notes from today and all she wrote was Sue is a delight. She's everyone's Midwest grandma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a nice angle on the show. And I know Anne mentioned it, but when she and Ross at the baseball game on Sunday were off walking around, they found her and said hi to her. And it's my biggest regret from the baseball game that I didn't get down there and meet her because I didn't get a chance to talk to her at the show. I, I had never imagined that you could walk up to the organist at the, at the yeah. baseball game. Yeah. Uh, I know at, at uh, hockey games, the Buffalo Sabres, the organist's uh, seat is basically right in the middle of a section of seats. That's pretty and cool. I, I have a friend who has season tickets right next to the organist and you got to hope you like that person, right? Cause they mm-hmm. see each other 60 something times a year. Let me ask you something about um, the Sabres game and hockey games in general. When a goal is scored, every arena has, they they pride themselves on having like the loudest thing, like a yacht horn or a train horn or whatever. What do they do at the Sabres games? And does someone trigger it or is it a recording? Uh, the Sabres have a real yacht horn. It's a Collenberg F3. Uh Yes, I know that it is. A, is it, is a, it like an arms race for all these teams to have the loudest? <laughs> I think for some for some teams, the arms race is the loudest. Uh, and for some teams, it's about being their sound. And I think if you ask uh, a, a real intense Sabres fan, they'll know the sound of our yacht horn versus some other yacht horn. Right, right. And so it's a very distinct sound. If you hear a call for a goal followed by that horn, I'll know it happened in our arena based on that horn. And so I don't know how long they've had that one, but they've had it for a long time and it's very distinct. 
and so that's that. And then I think the other thing with goals are goal music is always a big deal in arenas. Yeah, because yeah, the, the horn goes off and then then you have the you know rock and roll part two or whatever whatever music they like to play. After Actually, that. so the Sabres changed theirs last year and I'm amazed it's not terrible. It's when I heard the idea, it was terrible, but they edited it really well. They use a perfect few seconds from let me clear my throat. I don't know that one. I do that one, but I don't know that one. DJ cool. <laughs> no. Uh, I'll drop it in or something if I'm not feeling lazy, but yeah. it's a song that's a terrible song, but they picked the right seven seconds of it to make it work. And sorry for the digression, but I'm that's my favorite part of NHL hockey is the horns. You know, if other sports had that, if a if a I mean baseball parks every time a basket is scored. (laughs) (laughs) I would watch basketball. By the way, congratulations to the whatever team wins tonight. Uh, the top story was kind of a loss on Monday. Andrew's son country flight. The lesson is he did have more legroom, but he didn't get a free hot dog. I'm still not clear if there are hot dogs. Are there ones you can pay for? I I have no idea. I've never flown sun country. I actually opted to pay slightly more to not fly sun country (laughs) (laughs) to go to Minneapolis because I've heard, I've heard a lot of horror stories. Um, we had the little red carpool, the, the tens who were all staying down near the airport like I was, and we were all going to drive up together. Uh, and they were all great, but there were a lot of flight delays on Saturday. And uh, we had one person coming in on Spirit, and that flight got delayed for several hours. Uh, and it's because Spirit only has six airplanes, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. They get pushed around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and that's what I was worried about with Sun Country, you know, when they only have two planes that fly out of Boston all all day. <laughs> hey, guys, can we get our plane out of here? No, back of the line. Yeah. And I figured, you know, with Delta, if I miss this one, there's going to be 30 more planes yeah. that yeah. I can take. Uh, so no definitive answer on the hot dogs. If there are any Sun Country regulars, would you let us know? Because that might change my tack. I know for <laughs> Seattle, I know I can always get a Sun Country flight to Seattle as long as I'm willing to take a layover in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Uh, the real disgusting part that probably should have been the top story was the half-eaten burger and fries that Andrew found in a takeout box in his hotel room Ugh. above the Honor Bar mini fridge. Yeah, that was gross. Mm-hmm. I mean, ugh. Um, on one hand, uh, I always sort of look everywhere when I first get into a hotel room just to make sure there's nothing weird. But on the other hand, I don't know that I wanted to find that. I almost wish you would just not find that and leave it for the next person. Let me say this about mini fridges in hotels. They either are unplugged or set to zero or they freeze everything within minutes. Mm-hmm. There's never a fridge that's set to like a decent fridge temperature. No. No. I had Diet Coke. I think uh, this may have come up Friday or someone might have mentioned it, but I have a ritual whenever I get to a new city, which is I take my rental car and I go to a grocery store. Uh, shout out to Cub, the local grocery store near the hotel I stayed at. And I get a case of water and some Diet Coke and some vitamin water. I'm planning for that moment at three in the morning when I'm (laughs) drunk and exhausted and desperately need something to eat or drink. Uh, And I put Diet Coke in my fridge and sure enough, they they froze. Right. And let me say this. uh, Frozen insulin is hard to administer to yourself as well. So (laughs) shout out to hotels everywhere. You're doing an awesome job with your stupid mini fridges. Plus, if you buy the insulin from the Honor Bar, it's like $150. Oh, God, yeah. oh what a ripoff. Yeah, United Healthcare does not cover that. 
It did make me wonder what hotel they were staying in. I think uh, Steve Nelson joked that it was the Days in Midway, but uh, that I might not have been a joke. I haven't stayed in a lot of hotels with an honor bar in them in a long time. Like mm-hmm. you stayed at a boutique hotel, and there's like the basket of candy, mm-hmm. the twelve dollar M and M's. Right. Um, I know the Hotel Deluxe in Portland has that because Luke always talks about having eaten the the jelly beans or whatever. But um, I, I haven't stayed in one that had like the automatic sensor fridge in a long time. Yeah, when you when they have those honor bars and and you still need to use that fridge or whatever. Yeah, it is like you know a movie where the, all the lasers are going. And you're trying yes. to get your stuff in there without tripping any wires or anything. Yeah, um, we can just do what I do. The last time I stayed in one of those sales halls, I shoved all my stuff in. I I think I drank some of their stuff, and then when we went to check out, I was just like, I don't know, it wasn't me. <laughs> and they zeroed it out? Yeah. Because <laughs> those things are such a pain in the ass. They must have people all the time who are like, I didn't, like, I just, my water must have bumped into it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They you prey can't. on hungover yeah. people too, yeah. they, with the with the bottled water, you know, right. especially when you're in a place that where the water's terrible. $8. <laughs> and, and you're like, oh, hungover, but oh, water. That bottle of Fiji sitting on the counter with a tag on it's looking really good. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Uh, let's get to Steve Nelson since I just mentioned him. He comes up. Um, my opinion, seeing him in the back of the room and up on stage, he was uh, relatively relaxed on stage. But I could also see in the back of the room, he was maybe 50-50 on the event overall. I mean, <laughs> I, I think there's still a part of him that looks at this model and says, this is the future of public radio. <laughs> Yeah, the Wits crowd uh, didn't get nearly as drunk when they right. got together. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's sort of a, an odd couple situation between TBTL and the rest of American public media. It works, but um, I think there's a lot of confusion and eye rolling. Um, the show pitches, just a long run of dad jokes about public radio. <laughs> they were so good. And didn't Carrie write them all? Well, she wrote the best one. She wrote the best ones. The Cisco podcast, All Thongs Considered. (laughs) I had to send her a message about that. I gave her, I think I gave her like a 4.87 out of 5. That's pretty solid. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is, you know, you could get them on. So the ratings bump just from that would be solid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. What's he doing? Uh, As a Seattle sports fan, Mike, I thought your favorite would have been the Splendid Rabel. (laughs) Yeah, oh, I appreciate that. Uh, for me, that's that's like a, a four point eight. But I I understand how it's not going to land with most of the world. Yeah, uh, anticlimactic ending though with Invisibuya. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, <laughs> which the execution on stage was very awkward because them suddenly yelling something out in unison and high fiving was jarring. <laughs> <laughs> high zeros. Yeah. Uh, we get a voicemail, somebody asking for an AMA segment and starting with favorite documentaries, which these guys get into. Um, I had no idea that Stu was uh, Mary related to the guy who did that uh, segue across the country documentary. How is uh, he related? I'm sorry. Uh, brother-in-law something? Cousin-in-law oh, right. something through, right, through right, his right. wife? Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen that, but I heard about it and it sounded interesting. I mean, as far as these sort of premises go... Um, sure. Why not? Uh, it's nice to see a segue go anywhere that isn't just a bunch of tourists wearing helmets driving around Cambridge. So, <laughs> uh, we get to mention that one of the 
episodes or one of the public radio shows that Carrie suggested that didn't make the cut for the original bit was Radio Lab as hosted by Rudy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then from there, things just kind of spiral out with the uh, AMA. Uh, we get a dream catcher segment where an Andrew can't remember any of his dreams. <laughs> we get talk of last meals, which prompted me to post to the little red bandwagon page. My last meal, which I wrote years ago for Takedown Podcast and still had him, you know, on file. Uh, so scroll back on our Facebook page if you'd like to see that. Do you guys have last meal thoughts? Meredith? I've literally never thought about that. Mm, I think I, I wrote mine on there. It was something pretty simple. But mine changes all the time, depending on what I'm yeah. hungry for right now. Yeah, yeah. But would it ever be a fucking salad? Sorry. No. <laughs> Uh, maybe some macaroni salad, some potato salad. <laughs> right. <laughs> no leafy greens. There's nothing like a potato and egg salad on the side with, yeah. I mean, what, what am I trying to do? Get, get regular? Am I trying to get healthy? Right. You're going to kill me in the morning. Come on. <laughs> I like the, I think it's my approach, which is the, you're not going to kill me if I kill myself first. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think it's Luke that says he wants an all-you-can-eat buffet because he'll just never be done. He'll just hold right. them in limbo. That's how it works, yeah. <laughs> but, but I just, I hate the feeling of being full. I really hate it. So I just, I don't think I would overeat at my last meal because I wouldn't want my last hour spent like, Oh, why did I do that? <laughs> oh, Put terrible. me out of my misery. Although it might make it easier. <laughs> right, right, come on, give, hook me up. Let's do this. Yeah. You know, if I have to think, why did I do that about my dinner instead of why did I do that about my life choices? <laughs> <laughs> about all those people I murdered. Yeah. Mine would probably be pizza of some sort. Yes. That's just something I can always have a lot of. I get that bad pizza is still pizza, but there are so many variables about pizza. <laughs> Well, first of all, you got to do your murders in Minnesota so you can get the Heggies pizza. Get some Heggies, yeah. You know, that's a solid plan. If you could just end up in Minnesota, a Heggies for a final meal, maybe in that last flash of life when everything flies before you and you have sudden glimpses of genius, I assume, maybe you'll be able to figure out what the six different meats on that six-pack Heggies pizza were <laughs> because six. I still can't. <laughs> and then the secret will just die with you, though. <laughs> Are they six different uh, mammals or, or six different varieties of meat from one know. or two mammals? I, I am assuming that they're they're multi-counting mammals because you have to. I I don't think there's any ostrich. I can't mm. think of that many different kinds of meat pizza toppings. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> I hadn't planned on it, but let's do this. Uh, I know I because I ate most of one of these quote-unquote six-pack Heggie's pizzas. Mm. I know there was ham. I know there was pepperoni. I know there were meatballs. Mm. I know there was sausage. Um, meatballs? Yeah, like cubed up, chunked up. I think I saw meatballs. Huh. Uh, what am I missing here? Uh, bacon. There's, well, <laughs> we were long past that. Uh, <laughs> by the time I ordered the Heggie's pizza, we were long past dignity. Uh, bacon? There might oh, have been yeah. bacon. So, yeah. uh Let's see, bacon, ham, that's, sausage, that's your pig group. Breakfast bacon on pizza is very underrated. It is so good. Canadian bacon? I think ham. Yeah, is, I, I don't know if I can count Canadian bacon and ham as two different meats. Maybe they the did. Same. Maybe that's the trick. But but uh, those are my three pig meats. And then the the not pig meats would have been the the meatballs. meatballs. And I'm, I'm not sure. 
I mean, some people put ground beef on pizza. It's Detroit yeah. pizza. It's, it's it's kind of a waste. It's like a just taco. not flavorful. Yeah. Enough. It's gross. Huh. Somebody, if you had this or you're from Minnesota, and I don't remember if I asked Ann or not. I mean, I sobered up at the end of the night, but <laughs> I don't. I just don't remember. Uh, so, Heggy six pack pizza. That's a good addition to my last meal list. Uh, Luke gets in his feelings a little bit about the Oklahoma City Thunder. It's a sort of moot point now, and uh, it hasn't stopped him from going to Starbucks on a regular goddamn basis. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Uh, senpai talk. And uh, then from there, uh, did you guys listen to the Mixler feed? I did. No, I had something going on that night, so I was out of the house. Okay. Mike, how long did you listen after the show ended? Uh, pro- I, I drifted in and out. I got up and did some things and came back and, you know, listened to people do the karaoke. So it I was, start- uh, it was weird. <laughs> I started getting messages on my phone. Uh Versus, I don't know, any other way I would have gotten messages. I started getting messages from people in the world saying, hey, you guys know you're still broadcasting, right? (laughs) (laughs) And they went, I don't know how long it went uh, that they stopped. I left before the end because I had uh, in in my charge, among other people, Amy from Nashville uh, and her young daughter who came dressed as super uh, Spider-Man to the (laughs) show. Uh, There, By the way, she got cut out of the show. Spider-Girl had a couple of minutes during transition between segments uh, with Luke, but they must have cut it for time and because it was a little messy. Uh, so that's what you missed when you don't go to the live show is adorable children. Uh, they just kept rolling and I walked over to the microphones at one point and I just whispered into them, we know you can still hear us, but nobody <laughs> sent me anything. So I don't know. Uh, but that was the night. I want to take a minute to thank some people. Um Starting uh, with Anne for her hospitality in Minneapolis, uh, in Minnesota. She baked us cakes. She showed us around. We went for Juicy Lucy's, all that. She was a great uh, hostess uh, representing her state. Um, Amy, as I mentioned, brought her adorable daughter and also brought me some thoroughly racist ponchos cheese. Yes, you finally got some ponchos. I did. Um, I had tried a little bite of it at Christie's house a while back, but I mm-hmm. had about two thirds of a tub of it to myself with a box of Triscuits and no shame <laughs> and maybe no pants in my hotel room. I couldn't fly back with it, so it made for a hell of a breakfast. Oh, nice. Good job by you. Yeah. Now, you know, I do what I can. Uh, Ashley Gilliam. Uh, was a delight and it's always great to meet another star archivist, her and Amy, of course. Um, Mm. And so we got to hang out and chat for a little while. Sydney uh, McElroy, who was also in the little red uh, carpool uh, and brought me a a wealth of Michigan cherry oriented treats, cherry barbecue sauce and chocolate covered cherries. Thank you. Uh, And a uh, keychain. I think it's sitting on my desk here somewhere. It says eight mile on it. It's what? a little it's a little rubberized. It's a Detroit road sign, eight mile road keychain. Nice. And I looked at her and I joked and I said they should make one that just is a pile of mom's spaghetti. <laughs> which I did not get much of a laugh from. And then a couple hours later, when I forgot I had said it out loud, I said it to her again, and she said it's not even as funny as the first time. Oh man. <laughs> She's tough. She and brought would, you gifts, but but emotionally seems very, very tough. Yeah. To which point I went back to my drink. <laughs> which is why I didn't remember the first time. Uh, But yes, it's great. And thank you guys so much. The 10's coming together. I don't need to 
say it too much because I think a lot of people already know, but you won't find a better group of people or a better event. Mm-hmm. Well, next time Meredith and I will, uh, will show up. Yeah. I'll try to stay out of the hospital next time. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Uh, Tuesday, 2141, let the free on market decide. Andrew and Luke are both very relieved. They're both back in their cocoons um, in Wallingford and Bellingham, the Bay City, respectively. They don't have anything looming. Um, There was some uh, talk, I think, in uh, the big chat that we're in, Bobby, that um, some people thought Andrew was drunk during the live show. And I didn't get that at all. What I got was that he was really nervous. I actually don't know that it was that much of either. I, I think that I think that people are forgetting how different the hosts can sound when they're not in their usual habitats. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were we get reminded of that with the car shows sometimes. Um, and I just remember the first time I met Andrew in person, he sounded nothing like what he sounds like to me on my headphones. Hmm. Um, in fact, he sounded a lot more like he's from Ohio when I met him in person. <laughs> um, so I, I think some of it was just the changing of the setting and the equipment and all that stuff. Um, and the fact know. that it's a more conversational thing and less of a show show, maybe. Yeah. And, I, well, and it is a live show. So I think they're being more cautious about things that could theoretically be cleaned up on a regular recording can't mm-hmm. on a live show. So, uh, I just figured, maybe a little nervous, but also just more in the element of producing something live. I think you just have more to think about. Uh, definitely not drunk. I tried to get no. him drunk. I forced a beer on him before the show started. <laughs> I listened back to the recording and it didn't occur to me that he was drunk or nervous. I, I thought he sounded pretty good. Yeah. There were just a couple right. of people in the chat that thought he was. And, and it just, and I was like, no, I'm not getting that. Um, and, and I also think like um, Luke has gotten so good at doing live performances in front of crowds that you know he seems to slow down and be even better than mm-hmm. he is when mm-hmm. when they're just going one-on-one so there's i think there's just a contrast with luke's experience at such shows you know right uh, when i'm uh training trivia hosts uh the the main things i have to tell them to do if they're competent and and bright and fun then it's not a big deal but even for people who are all of those things i end up telling them uh, slow down to 75% yeah. of your normal speed and over enunciate, you know, uh, twice as much as you normally would because the microphone deadens things and conversation speed changes when you're broadcasting, even just over a crappy PA system in a restaurant. <laughs> and so like, you know, you have to overcompensate for those things in ways you don't when you're just in a studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that, yeah, Luke just has a ton of practice, especially since he started Livewire doing it regularly mm-hmm. on stage in front of people. I mean, he's always had a lot of practice, but now it's just his job. Yeah. I think his, his heartbeat doesn't even speed up, which I think when, when you're Andrew and you don't do this, you do this like once a year at most, it's probably pretty nervous making. Right. <clears throat> um, they go, uh, they, they recall going to the nook the next morning after the show for a juicy Lucy, which I, I want to hear more about this, Bobby. Did you have a juicy Lucy? What is it again? I did have a Juicy Lucy. Um, what didn't you eat in Minnesota? That's what I want to know. Hey, I was there with a mission. I was there for a few days. Um, Anne and I and uh, Jeremy and Christy all went to the 5-8 Club, which is another well-known Juicy Lucy haunt. I, I think it's one of the several places that claims ownership or inventorship of it. Um, I don't know 
and I don't want to insult anyone in Minnesota, I don't know that putting the cheese in the cheeseburger is the biggest revelation. Uh, especially because when I looked at my patty, when I opened up my burger before I ate it, um, you can sort of clearly see where the two patties have just been sort of pushed together like a, like a ravioli, like crimped. Right. I mean, so you can see the edges of the first one cause it was a little bit smaller than the second one. Mm. And so it's not like there's a, they're not making jelly donuts back there. Nobody's making a, a patty of beef and then very carefully, you know, pumping cheese into it's it. It's not high tech. Right. stuff. but it was perfectly good. Um, I will say we got extended warnings from our server to be careful when we bite into the Juicy Lucy because it might be like molten hot lava. Right. And oh. then we did with Reckless Abandon and they weren't that hot. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they sat for a minute before they came out, but it was fine. It was just like a cheeseburger, but the cheese was on the inside. There it doesn't was a appeal little- to me very much though because I don't want, I usually don't want two patties. You know, I, I prefer a single burger and it sounds like it's a, you know, it ends up being a double patty burger. Well, these, these ones were pretty thin. And so I think, okay. um, you know, more diner style size patties. And so two of them together was still not as big as when you go to some gourmet burger place and they right. hand you a, a block of ground beef and call it a burger. Oh God, I hate that. I do too. It's um, just too much. So it was good. Uh, it was perfectly good. And the, I think the highlight at the five, eight club was this sauce that they make. And it sounded terrible to me, but I tried it because that's what you do. Um, they have sweet potato fries and they have this, God, it was like a marshmallow sauce. Marshmallows and something else melted what? into a dipping sauce. Wait, for what? For the sweet potato fries. Oh, I can see that. Because, well, you know, people dip fries in shakes, I guess it's not too far off. Well, now. and sweet fries, like the best place in Buffalo where I used to get sweet fries all the time, you would dip in uh, a cinnamon honey mixture. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. there's always that sweet element with sweet potatoes. And yeah, it was like a like a marshmallow fluff sauce with something else in it. Oh, you know what it was? Marshmallow fluff and blue cheese. Oh, well, now yeah, now I'm out, I'm out again. Yeah, <laughs> it was weird, but it was it was one of those things that I would never order, but because I was there and it was not bad. Two things that I'm I'm kind of mediocre on, you know, <laughs> throw them together, I'm out. <laughs> You don't uh, want a two wrongs make a right situation because I hate two, marshmallows. I don't hate either one of those things. I I will eat those things, but neither one will I seek out. But you put them together, and 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 um, yeah, just no, nope. yeah. no thanks. So juicy Lucy was fine. Um, I don't know that I would seek out a juicy Lucy, mm. but I would go back to the Five A Club if it was my neighborhood restaurant. Uh, well, the fact that now you've explained what the Juicy Lucy is, maybe I missed it um, during the actual TVTL, the explanation. Now that you explain it, I know why Andrew ate two hot dogs and soup at the <laughs> at the restaurant, because he would never eat a Juicy Lucy, which no. we'll get more into that on Thursday, because I have a lot to say <clears throat> about Andrew and food on Thursday. Andrew um, goes five easy pieces at the airport trying to get out of the middle seat. Uh, Luke plays a clip. I love that movie and it's so great, but, um, no playing movie clips, uh, that, that are going to last more than two minutes. <laughs> it was way too yeah. long. Yeah. Um, can I, Oh yeah, go ahead. About airline seats. Cause you guys know I'm big on this too. There's something really easy you can do. Uh, and that is to just go up to the ticket counter and ask, um, even with Delta, because I don't fly Delta a lot, but I flew Delta for that trip. I went up and I just asked, uh, hey, do you have any upgrades available? 
simple question. Mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, do you have status with the airline? And I was like, no, I don't. I don't fly Delta very often. Um, It's been a great experience so far. Uh, But I was curious, maybe you have something for purchase. And they just said, no, we don't do that anymore. But on the way back, the woman behind the counter just said, well, let me see what I can do for you. And uh, she saw where my seat was. And she was like, what are you looking for? And I said, well, you know, if the flight's not full, an empty seat next to me or something, I'm less worried about legroom and more about room to spread out. I want to use my laptop and get some work done. And she just said, well, I can uh, I can move you up to the exit row. Are you OK with the exit row? And there'll be nobody next to you. And I was like, yeah, of Thank course, you. that's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, as it turns out, somebody had stolen that seat at the exact same time she gave it to me through their phone or something, someone with status. And I got bumped out, but she still got me an aisle seat uh, a few rows ahead of where I was originally. And she just looked at me and said, that middle seat's empty and I'll make sure we fill it last. And I was like, that's awesome. And I got I had an empty middle seat flying back um, just for asking. Yeah, never heard of mm-hmm. you know? And so it's just be nice. I offered her a cup of coffee after and she said she was good. And I was like, all right, I'll see you in a little bit. That's just not me, though. I, I just I, when I'm traveling, I am. I try to be completely invisible and wherever they stick me, they stick me. I'm just, I guess I don't do it enough to, to where I, I want to battle or, or go to work over, you know, bringing chocolates or talking to people. I don't want to talk to anybody. Yeah. (laughs) I like to, I like the chocolate thing because I love to drink on airplanes and it always, always gets me free drinks. So (laughs) that's definitely worth it. And I'll, I'll usually go Southwest and I'll ask if they have upgrades, but the upgrade consists of upgrading your boarding position so you can get on the plane and choose your seat first. Mm -hmm. And I've never been able to get that for free. Sometimes they'll do it um, if they have them available for 40 bucks, which is worth it to me if my seat's bad enough, if my position is bad enough. I used to love it, uh, flying Southwest when I was a great big fat person because because I would never try to get status or whatever. I would be like the last group to board, and here comes Big Fatty coming down, coming down the <laughs> middle. All the looks on everyone's face. They've carefully <laughs> chosen their spot, and uh, <clears throat> here comes middle seat Larry, gonna flop over, <laughs> flop fat over onto your lap. Uh, the number of times that's been me flying standby. <laughs> <laughs> oh god here comes this guy there goes my elbow room uh actually also i'll note uh chocolates both ways on delta on the way out worked like a charm really friendly it was also a, a really early morning flight so i didn't exactly drink a ton but i did have a bailey's in my coffee um on the way back it was a younger crew which uh a certain airline professional has warned me in the past will often get you less leverage because they're a little more to the book. They haven't had decades Mm -hmm. of experience to be jaded. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I gave this uh, very nice young woman chocolates and she was over the moon delighted and thanked me and someone else thanked me. Uh, But when the, it was just purely um, the luck of the draw and who was at the end of the cart helping me Mm -hmm. when they came down. And I, I always just order a drink anyway, because I'm not going to not drink if it costs money. That would defeat the purpose, you know, right. that that's not releasing desire. So I ordered my Baileys and coffee. Um, she charged me the $8 for it. That was all fine. And then the young woman who I'd given the chocolates to was further down the row. And she came by, she sort of gave me this, oh, damn it, I'm so sorry, look. Mm-hmm. Like she would have taken care of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's, you know, it's eight bucks, whatever. Yeah into the world. And then, you know, I went back and actually chatted with them later. They caught me as I was walking down to the bathroom and, um, 
they were all very nice and friendly and I sort of got the vibe that I probably could have asked for something then, but I was good and I didn't want to make a scene. So you I turn, guess it turned into clip clop mode and you just, just yeah. got quiet. So it sort of didn't work once for me. Right. You're probably still money good here though. Yeah, exactly. On this whole endeavor. Yeah. 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 Still to the positive. And I made people happy. I mean, that's yeah. Yeah. All right. There were a ton of shout outs, uh, about the Monday show, including, uh, Anne got a shout out. Uh, we also got, uh, as a podcast, a shout out about the stamp, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I feel bad about cause that was all Bobby, but, uh, <laughs> we'll take the credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that cynically speaking, we operate as a group. Sure. You sure. know, that, that, that was the right tone for little red bandwagon as a, as a whole. Right. Yeah. Right. Cause, cause we are uh, snark central. Yeah. Right. Um, top story, Steph Curry's shoes. Um, they're not popular. Um, <laughs> the thing is they kind of appeal to me because as an old man now with bad feet, I was like, you throw a couple Velcro straps on there. Uh, <laughs> they do look very comfortable. <laughs> they do look very comfortable. And also like orthotics. <laughs> like if you're, if you, uh, if you want quick feet, if you want to play like Steph Curry, you know, maybe you want his shoes. Maybe, you know, maybe his shoes will one day get popular from people who would just want to play basketball better or rather than stick a bunch of shoes up on a shelf in a closet that, you know, like a bunch of nerds do when they collect their Air Jordans right, and right. BS like that. So my, my husband's a big basketball fan, but he wasn't aware of this shoe controversy. And so I showed him a picture and I said, Oh, what do you think about these new Steph Curry shoes? Everyone's teasing him. And he's like, so what? They're sneakers. Like what? <laughs> right. I never <laughs> I much cared. Yeah. Cause Duff, Duff played a lot of basketball and so did I. And I never much cared about what, what kind of shoes I was wearing. It was more like I, and the worse shoes I was wearing, the better. I mean, it's coming home to roost now, but yeah. like, it was always great to, destroy guys that were wearing $200, shoes. Well, I went to the website, to the Under Armour site, and um, they have it in several different colors, and it's way not as ugly in like black or red or whatever. It's The white is pretty bad, but mm-hmm. they have other colors, and they aren't that bad. Yeah, the white ones, it does look like you're about to, to do your shift at the hospice. Yes. I went through a phase in my life not so long ago where I was wearing this these white New Balance sneakers, and it's because... Um, they fit really well and I have particularly wide feet. And so finding shoes that fit well and are comfortable is a little bit harder. And I found a pair. And so I did what I do when I find a pair, which is I just kept buying the same thing without thinking about it or considering change. Mm -hmm. And finally, Sam just looked at me one day and said, we've got to get you out of these white sneakers. (laughs) (laughs) But it fits in with your murder. She wrote lifestyle. Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, so she actually ordered me a pair of sneakers without consulting me first. Wow. From Brooks. Whoa. Really nice sneakers. They fit great. And they look they're like black and red. They look generically mm. stylish like a pair of sneakers should. And she was like, please just try these. Mm-hmm. If you don't like them, I won't do it again. But please just try these. Yeah. That's good advice for all the fellas out there. If your wife is so sick of what you're wearing that she actually buys you something to replace the thing she hates, give it a try. Yeah. yeah, they're pretty good. I like them. Uh, the design by committee thing, um, that put me in mind of a story of uh, back when I was working for uh, Papa John's franchisee in Seattle. And we won a um, a Jeep Liberty and a trailer to pull behind it that was completely wrapped. Uh, we won it in a company-wide contest because we put on a really cute um, 
publicity stunt where we had our guys in our slice costumes playing uh, soccer against little kids, like micro soccer in pull like Harlem Globetrotter type stuff. And then we let the kids win and all that. And so we got it on the news and we won this contest and we got this, this, uh, the Liberty and the trailer. And the owners were so happy and they, they thought it was so great. When we started opening up the Portland market, they said, well, we need to get a trailer for um, the Portland market. <clears throat> and at the time, the only struggle we had as a franchisee was there's a company called Papa Murphy's, which is a take and bake pizza company that started in Vancouver, Washington and was, was super popular before we even showed up. So when we showed up, people thought Papa John's was um, – was a knockoff. They thought we were a take and bake. So, and people were happy with Papa Murphy's. So, um, that confusion just permeated. And, and so from the very beginning, I just said, let's just, whenever, because a Papa John's has better ingredients, better pizza. That's their tagline. Everybody knows that. I said, why don't, why not here in the Northwest? We just say, we bake, we deliver. And that's our second tagline. And so on all of our marketing materials, we would put that we bake, we deliver. Um, and and I, I just said, if this this trailer we're going to pull around in Portland, let's just big, as big as we can get it, we bake, we deliver. And I got a couple guys to agree to that. But then it went up to the owners. And the owners had all these things, all these other things they wanted to say. And it ended up being like scripture on the sides of a trailer, you know, um, there was uh, like five paragraphs of stuff, which you, when you, when you have writing on a trailer, you have three seconds as you're going through an intersection for people to read it and it ended up being a nightmare. And it was awful. I wish I had pictures of this trailer and made me so mad. And I think that might be what happens when these shoes finally come out when they're, when they suck is like, ah, there must've been a good idea at one point, but now we have this shoe. God damn it. And uh, on a much smaller scale was our thing, but it was a, you know, it was like, I don't know, $5,000 trailer and like, you know, thousands of dollars to wrap and, you know, might as well have just fired all that money right into the toilet. It made me so mad because I'm cheap above, <laughs> above all else. So that's, that's my, uh, that's my design by committee hot dog story for, uh, Tuesday. The last thing that happened on Tuesday was Luke shaking his fist at air conditioning. Um, <laughs> he is becoming seventy-year-old man who who hates when the thermostat's down. I'm pretty low. sure he was just shivering his fist at air conditioning. <laughs> he couldn't hold his hand still. Yeah, yeah, uh, palsying his hand at air conditioning. Um, but I'm sort of in the same boat with him. Like, uh, I had a doctor's appointment a couple days ago, and I remember like it's so cold in this because I'd been to the same um, office with Emily before and sat in one of the examination rooms with her and just been shivering. So it's, uh, it's a hundred degrees in Austin, like 110 heat index. And I was carrying a, a little light jacket with me into the, mm-hmm. into the doctor's office, like an, you know, like a dummy and I didn't need it, but I just don't like getting caught like that. And Meredith, my question for you, uh, I mean, hotel rooms, they like to keep them cool. They were talking about, um, there's an email later in the week. They're talking about how it keeps smells down, mm-hmm. but in like hospitals and doctors' offices, do they keep, do they keep the temperature down to keep like infections down? Um, I don't think so. I think it's hard to keep a huge building a consistent temperature, 
And as someone else on the Stens page pointed out that the, the ideal office temperature was determined years ago um, using men who wear suits mm-hmm. to work. It's not considering women who might be wearing skirts and, and you know, pantyhose or something. Um, well, there's an obvious solution s- to that. Let's get the women out of the workforce. And yeah, obviously. We don't belong <laughs> there. And we certainly don't belong in any science-related no, buildings. So, No, I don't think it's an infection control measure. I think it's just de rigueur to have it cold. Well, the, I know the, um, like the operating rooms, they cover you like almost completely in like preheated blankets or whatever so that you're not cold. So I think maybe the operating rooms are kept cold for that, but the rest of the hospital, maybe it's... Probably because the surgeons are working hard and they're dressed head to toe. Yeah. It's probably for their comfort too. Yeah. I, I don't want a sweaty surgeon leaning over me. <laughs> Just dripping, dripping sweat into your open wound. Yeah. I feel a lot more comfortable when it's, I'd rather be over air conditioned. Something has happened since moving to Texas where I want the air down. And now we're, my husband and I have fights about it a lot where we, we can control our thermostat from our phone. And so we'll have this (laughs) kind of silent cold war (laughs) where I'll I'll go and turn it to 72, which he thinks is freezing. I don't think that's even that cold. Oh, 72. And then he'll turn it up to 75 and I can't sleep. And so I'll wake up sweating and turn it down to 72 and then he'll wake up freezing and turn it up to 75. And this happens all night long. Let's talk about the sleeping thing for a second, because we brought something into our relationship last year that has helped immensely with that. Last summer was so much better than previous summers. Um, I had always seen these fans at Brookstone type stores that you nestle up next to the bed and they blow air under the sheets. What? And we would never buy one because they were super expensive. But Sam caught a floor model on clearance or something and got it for a steal. It's a slot of a fan. It it comes up the side at the end of the bed and then turns 90 degrees. And it looks like a vacuum attachment kind of, but bigger and blows a wide sheet of air under your blankets. Because I'm all night long. Yeah, you just... You turn it on, you have a switch and a knob, and you can turn up and down the speed on it. And it just blows air, but it draws it from the floor, so it's a little bit cooler. And it's great. I sleep really hot. And so on my side, I also like to have a blanket over me, which is counterintuitive, but there's something about the weight. Yeah. And so I'll have this fan on under the blankets, and it's a godsend. I mean, I just get this nice little cool breeze. It keeps it ventilated. It also just keeps it from like getting blankets to like stick to you and mm-hmm. yeah, it's pretty great. If we had uh, one of those here in Kyle, I think it would blow at least 15 to 20 varieties of bugs up under. under <laughs> <the sheet. laughs> uh, so something to consider. I'll get you a link. All right. Interesting. We have two different top sheets and blankets. So I thought that would be like, he could just have oh. more blankets. Oh, that's I right. I forgot about but that. That doesn't do the trick mm. for some reason. So he still needs to wrap himself up in a comforter. Oh, uh, regardless. Poor kid. I know. All right. That's all we have for Tuesday. Wednesday, 2142, words of wisdom. Um, we start out with Andrew getting Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth confused, uh, talking about that isolated vocal track. Yeah. Um, and then they skip ahead a little bit to the California Got Sunshine uh, discussion. Again, um, I don't know what the point of that was. We, the they go on to talk about key cards and how satisfying it is. Andrew's now an official Cairo employee with key card privileges. So he feels like he has the keys to the kingdom. Um, 
And then they talk about how Luke and Andrew got key cards for APM, but Andrew's never worked and Luke's was shut off. I'm always dubious like. of key cards. You know, if you've had enough hotel experience where you're like, yes. someone hands you a key card, <laughs> you're like, you're about half convinced it's ever going to work for you. I used to work in an actual hospital and, and you need key cards to get everywhere mm-hmm. and you're only allowed access to certain things. So every time I would go up to a door, I'd be like, hmm, I wonder if this is going <laughs> right. to be how I find out I'm fired. Alarm, like, alarm's <laughs> going to go off and then you're going to yeah. get Right. We just added a bunch of extra uh, security at our office. So it used to be that you could just swipe in the key card at the lobby. And I always keep mine in my wallet. Everybody else keeps theirs on these stupid little zip things, like on their belts or whatever. And I get that, but I will forget mine if it's not already in something I carry every day. So I keep mine in my wallet. But now when I walk in the building, I have to show it to someone. Then I have to... uh, swipe into the elevator or stairs and then I have to swipe into another control point between the bathrooms and my office. And if you go to the bathroom, you have to remember your card. I swear we're just days away from a retina scanner. Like it's getting really (laughs) out of hand. Oh, you need to pee, do you? Yeah. (laughs) And my office is hard keyed on top of all that. So I go through three swipe points and then I need to remember my keys. What are they guarding in there? Jesus. We're um we're down the hall from the frontline production offices, hmm. and other than that wall of Emmys, I guess they just uh they're worried about their proprietary stuff. I don't know, but when I talked to the security guy because I had to get my card updated, he just said, "Yeah, in hindsight, we should have never let you have those offices on that floor because they see <laughs> us as a security risk." Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm only there like twice a week. I don't care. <laughs> But uh, intense. And yeah, our key cards fail constantly. And we don't have anyone we can call easily to get them fixed. So I'll just get locked out of my office. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Luke tells us about his new Toomey travel bag. Bobby, you have a Toomey travel bag, don't you? Can't believe I talked this much on an episode where I have no notes. Mm. Um, (laughs) Yes, I brought this up in the chat. Christy reminded me that I've brought this up before in the chat. Um. I have a Toomey suitcase that Sam got me. This is just an episode of list of things that Sam has gotten me to make my life better. Sounds like she's a, she's a good bargain hunter. She is a good bargain hunter. And she also loves it when I stop whining. <laughs> uh, she got me a Toomey suitcase for my birthday and Christmas. Um, I usually hate joint gifts, but this one was worth it. She got it on Black Friday at the outlet mall. So I'm sure it was only somewhat expensive instead of crazy expensive like Toomey bags usually are. And I love it because it's the exact largest possible size you can carry onto airplanes. Um, The roller's really good. It has a suitor that you can put in it. So I have to take a suit somewhere I can fold up my suit and it stays nice and neat and clean. Uh, And the quality is just super nice. Like I never thought I cared until I had a nice bag. And then I realized, oh, it has all the right compartments and all the right places and it's durable. And um, like it's, I've never had anything nice before this. It's always been like a suitcase from target or something. I got a goodwill. It sounds um, like a good investment and Luke is able to carry everything in it to do TBTL from wherever he is, which is becoming more and more important as he travels. Yeah. So much. I'm losing so track I, of all the cities he's been in. I know he's starting to mention some just offhand where he doesn't even explain that he was there for much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't have one of these. It sounds like some, I don't travel enough to really justify it. Um, And I don't have to work when I travel for work. Right. If I, the only traveling I ever do for work is to go to conferences and and I don't have to work. So I rarely will bring my dumb old heavy laptop with me anywhere. So it would be a hard purchase for me to justify, but I can totally see why Luke has his and likes his. Yeah. 
uh, he has the little the little to me bag, like the sort of attache bag. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I had that to go with my suitcase. It probably fits right with it, too. So they probably roll together really well. Right. I have an yeah. old laptop case that I shoved the handles over my suitcase handle and try right. to make it work that way every time I travel. Yeah. Um, it sounds like this bag that An- uh, that Luke has has a compartment for his Splenda. Is it Splenda? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Splenda his stupid fake sugar, yeah. whatever it mm-hmm. is. Um, and then they talk about uh, how he's still putting sweetener in his coffee, even though he thinks he's drinking black coffee. Now, I don't know if that's a hard and fast definition. Does Is he not drinking black coffee if he puts Splenda in it? Uh, I don't think so. Because I think saying you drink black coffee is like a tough guy thing to say. Yeah. So yeah. if you're mitigating that in any way, I think you lose your your status as a black coffee drinker. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Moving on to Smash Mouth's weirdly defensive Twitter stream. Uh, they have spent... <laughs> Somebody, either at their record label or someone in the band, probably their record label, has spent a lot of time humorlessly declaring that they had a number one song before Shrek. And in fact, they had two number ones. And I don't think that two number one joke was was a joke, personally. No. Like the one hit wonder, no, we were a two hit wonder. Right. Yeah, I think it would have been a good joke. If it had been two hit wonder, yeah, exactly. Could have been something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I don't have much thoughts on Smash Mouth. Their songs are so overplayed that they give me flashbacks and I can barely listen to them anymore. So yeah. Any thoughts on that? Uh, It was a good movie. I'll say that. That's I liked it. When I was in college, smash mouth came and played, I think the opening night of our football season halftime show. And it was literally a scenario where I could hear them from my on-campus apartment window and chose not to go over to the football field to watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, I think they benefit from some producing. I think uh, a recording of Smash Mouth is probably a lot more tolerable than a performance from Smash Mouth. Sure. Yeah. I'll- Gawker refers to him as Guy Fieri. Right. Fieri. And then Andrew calls him, yeah, pronounces it several different times in different weird ways. And I think he kind of starts it and then bails in the middle yeah. of the long pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> no, because he'll still pronounce the hard R, which is the whole point. Uh, Luke tells us about his mom's friend, Jody, who was in love with Jonathan Edwards. Uh, as far as people who will go way out of their way and do things for bands for free Mm -hmm. for no reason. Um, yeah. Uh, Luke discusses at his peril that he doesn't love Pink Floyd. (laughs) Well, did he get any hate about that? I don't think so. There was some hate on the stents page or somewhere because he, he closed the, show with that um comfort comfortably numb cover which was really seemed mocking of pink floyd to me kind of because i was a pink floyd fan when i was a kid probably till i was about 17 listened to all the albums and enjoyed it or whatever and i kind of grew out of it uh but you know that song that he played at the end did it seemed like it was designed to tweak more so than he already had designed to tweak pink floyd fans Mm -hmm. and he very often when it's something that's not for him he really goes deep on a profile of the person that he imagines that listens. Right. (laughs) Right. Thing. And uh, that's not the way I usually enjoyed Pink Floyd when I was a kid. I mean, because I was listening like when I was 12 or 13 and I was definitely not that high. Right. Well, the weed is a lot better now than it was way back then. Absolutely. It's hard to get that high. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Our top story, maybe top story for the week or for the day was celery. Why? (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know if this was worth discussing. Uh, he said it had an interesting history, but I didn't pick that Did up. It? <laughs> um, <laughs> it is has some taste. It's good for some things. I like it as a mirepoix, like for a base for a soup. Right. I, why are we talking about this? And that, I think it was a lot more. That's the that's why because he was like, why are we eating so much celery? Well, you don't even know you're eating it because it's it's a base and all these things that it's a flavor. It's an aromatic thing. It's a yeah. It's good for that. Yeah. Talking about celery, why? Why? <laughs> yeah, we don't need to. We don't need to do any more of that. No, and we talk about Bloody Marys for a long time, which is interesting. I didn't know that Andrew was so passionate about it, but it looks like he really is. And Ashley actually posted his recipe that he gifted to her a while ago. Mm-hmm. On the Stens page. So I am not a huge fan of Bloody Mary. That wouldn't be my first choice for a brunch drink. But um, I can see the appeal in having one that isn't overly thick or sweet. Well, usually I, I mean, when I've had Bloody Marys, I don't, I haven't had them with meals. It's more of a meal replacement. So get as meaty as you want with it for me. (laughs) I just, well, and I am. Just a Bloody Mary for breakfast and a Bloody Mary for lunch, and then a hey, there's a there's sensible celery in there. Maybe there's a, a piece of bacon. I am delighted by the the frou frou drinks that have all the food sticking out of them. Yeah. I think that's fun, and the order of the things on the stick doesn't bother me at all. But it really bothers Andrew that they put the lime and the lemon so far apart. Yeah, he was pretty worked up. Yeah, he sure was. Um, and then we move on to emails, which they call in an addition. I thought it was kind of unnecessary. Um, email from KJ in Hong Kong who gives them Cantonese nicknames of Whisker Walsh and Uncle Luke. Hmm. What was the backstory on this? I, I didn't understand where this came from. Something about what their names translate to or out of oh. in another language. So Burbank is Uncle and Andrew is Whiskers? Is that what it was? <laughs> we okay. haven't had a chance to get the LRB fact check department on this, but... Uh, apparently. Yeah, someone who knows Cantonese explain that a little bit more because I didn't understand it. And then I didn't understand the rest of this episode because it was about right, baseball. Right, right. So sorry for choosing this one. But they did say something about rotisserie baseball, which made me hungry. Mike, do you want to explain do you want to explain rotisserie leaks? Or do you not want well, to bother? <laughs> no, we're not gonna we probably have five listeners who who care. So and, and they already know what a rotisserie league is. Right, they already know what rotisserie baseball is, and yeah. they don't need me to go back 25, 30 years and talk about You're right, though, Meredith. It is delicious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, Thursday, 2143, fake trucks and real dirt. Um, I call this episode the dinner party upload. Um, this, <laughs> this uh, guys, I love Andrew. I really love him as a person, but this part of him really gets under my skin. Uh, he can't eat anything cheesy, creamy, or casserole Unless he decides he want to, like it's pizza, oh God. which can be cheesy and creamy and sometimes casserole So here's the thing about, about his, um, his food uh, fears. I'm okay with him having them. I'm okay with anybody, you know, not liking a food or not wanting to eat a food but this is a this is a flaw. You need to realize this is a flaw in you as a human. So don't tell people about it, you know, unless you're absolutely forced into it. And also have the stones when you go to a dinner party to at least eat some of what people serve you. Yes. Just yeah, it's really rude to so just not rude. eat anything. Yeah. I, I I can't imagine having a guest sit there and just push things around a plate or just s- stare. I mean. You have to make an effort. 
are you going to throw up? Are you gagging? And if so, this is psychological. It's not, it's not physical. This is a guest issue and a host issue, though, because if we're having people over for a real dinner party, I will ask everyone if they have any dietary preferences or mm. allergies or problems or whatever, and I'll try to accommodate that. And it doesn't irritate me. Mm. I want everyone to have a good time. But he, it sounds like he doesn't even want to talk about it, which puts him in a bad spot. Right, because then whatever he gets, he gets. And if he can't eat that, he can't eat it. Like, I mean, there are things I hate. Scones, scallops, crinkle cut fries. Um, but, you know, if I'm at a party and that's what's being served, I'm going to eat some of it. I may not eat all of it, but I got to eat some of it. You know, just... Yeah, sushi makes me literally gag mm-hmm. sometimes, but I'll have to occasionally go to work dinners yeah. with Duff and some, they love to go to sushi places and I will gag down some sushi. Yeah. I will. Got to. Because I don't want to be a jerk. I'll get some like tempura or something right. cooked, but I will swallow some sushi to not appear super rude. Right. Or like a baby. That's right. that's at the base of all this, really. He's like a baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Luke talks about uh, Vanessa and her uh, quote unquote uh, onion allergy, which he's talked about before. She just didn't like onions. Uh, No one in the world, I think, is really allergic to onions and people in restaurants know that. Um, If if I were with a, a woman for a long time and we had a bad breakup and she had claimed to be allergic to onions or hate onions or whatever, I think I, I would be tempted to say, you know what? Everything I ever cooked had onions in it had onions in it (laughs) everything everybody ever cooks has onions in it so you've been you've probably eaten ten thousand onions in your life so get used to it if it were a good breakup i wouldn't say that but if it were a bad breakup yeah i'd be tempted yeah uh i had an ex-girlfriend who was allergic to garlic take that for what you will Mm, yeah an italian girl yeah it's probably your face was puffy 90% of the time, huh? Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder what she looked like. Swollen. She had a rash like all day and all night because right. she ate food right. in the world. Right. But like, you know, there's serious uh, shellfish allergies, yes. serious peanut allergies or tree nut allergies, yes. things like that. Other, I, I don't know. I, I suppose you can be allergic to anything, but if you just don't like something, it's kind of insulting, I think, to call it an allergy. Yeah. 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 Because people with real allergies people, go, oh, really? Onions? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. It's kind of like saying, I just don't like to park further back in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> right. I need a handicap sticker. Right. Uh, Luke's getting a trench built to put up his wall. Um, I wish he was doing it because it would have been much, much better story, but... <laughs> Sadly, he's not. Uh, They talk about Donald Trump's hair uh, by way of Gawker being sued by some hair system guy. Um, The consensus seems to be that Donald Trump did retain this hair system guy at some point to try to help him build his own wall of hair. But but I agree with Luke. The thing that Trump has going on, because guys with their hair, man, it's it can be a a big thing. Women, too. But but uh, guys, when they think they have to have their hair a certain way they will just go all out and do it themselves and, and it will look fucking ridiculous like Donald Trump's hair. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can kind of feel for him because like back when I was in high school and I, you know, when I still had hair, longer hair down over my ears, I would like style it so it wouldn't go crazy. And I, and I'd make like a helmet of hair every day before I went to school <laughs> and it was ridiculous and I look ridiculous and I'm so glad there are so few pictures of it. 
um, I realized pretty early on, like when I got to college, that you know, all these guys were getting girls and I wasn't getting girls because of my stupid hair. So I pretty much cut most of it off and haven't really worried about it much since because I have a full head of terrible hair that no one ever needs to see. But <laughs> I, I sort of understand why Trump does what he does and he thinks it looks good. And it's a signature look at this point. I, if I were him, I would never change it. He, he seems to be doing everything right by doing everything wrong right now. So, you know, if I were, if I were him, his campaign manager, I would say, just keep, just keep being a blithering idiot and keep styling that hair the way you're doing it. And you're going to win. You're going to be president. So. Good Lord. It does look like ramen noodles covered in Aquanet. I forget which one of them said that, but that was a good <laughs> description. It's cool. I have seen the video where it gets entirely lifted like as yes. a unit, I think he was at a baseball yep. game or something sitting in a box. Yeah, it's like the lid of a smokestack just coming up. It was pretty great. <laughs> um, the, the, the word this week is fire. Things are fire. So I don't know. Yeah, because Steph Curry said that. I guess, I guess that's the thing now. So um, I rushed through Thursday because we're running really long. Did you guys have anything else for that? No, we had already covered the yeah. AC talk pretty thoroughly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and rushing won't be a problem with Friday, episode 2144, glasses off, hair, whatever. <laughs> this might be an episode where the title was the highlight of the entire episode. <laughs> Friday um, shows, man. What is it about Friday shows? Yeah. Not, to, uh, not to be too disparaging, but for the first story, my note reads, Andrew's ID photo story, i.e. an extended talk about a picture we won't see. I know why. That's the yeah. only thing. The only appeal of that whole talk was, come on. You, you could be the show the picture. picture, right? You know, we don't have to see your driver's license, you know. And it's not like we don't have other embarrassing pictures of Andrew. In fact, because he mentioned it in this conversation, I went back and bumped the Xanadrew picture to the top of the Stens page. <laughs> and I did that as a protest because he won't show us the IT picture, right? Like, um, Emily just uh dug up an ID that uh she got like post-college, her driver's license post-college. And we were really having a good time with it because it's like soft focus, like Sybil Shepherd and moonlighting, you know, it looks like a boudoir photo or whatever. And that was great. I loved looking at that. I would love to see Andrew's uh, disquieting picture. <laughs> That's what my first driver's license when I was 16, the picture is so cute. Yeah. Like I hate, all pictures of me, but I love this one and I have it in a box somewhere. Yeah. I'll I'll put it up if I find it, but it's adorable picture. My skin looks great. I have kind of just this nice little sweet smile on my face and there's enough room around my head. I think that makes a difference. <laughs> right. right, where it doesn't look like, you know, too much face. You got too much face yes. going on. Uh, I think the last picture of me without a beard that was ever taken was my passport photo. And I travel with my passport a lot, actually, for a lot of the reasons Luke explained about having IDs in two different places when I travel, because I'm paranoid mm -hmm. about losing an ID. Um, and every time I go through TSA with my passport, I get the, oh, I see you filled in a little something there. Or, oh, you want me to color yeah. in the beard for you? And I tell you what, if Andrew will show us his shitty ID picture, I will post my crappy passport <laughs> photo. Because <laughs> I look pretty miserable. As one does when they're standing in the back of a post office waiting for a 30-year-old camera to work. And I yeah. will see if I, I, I can convince Emily to, um, to let me put up her sexy <laughs> boudoir photo from her <laughs> driver's license. Uh, we also get uh, Luke's 
hot take parenting advice after seeing a parent sleeping on his kid in an airport, worried uh, deeply about the kid's security. I don't know. How is that worried about the security? You're sleeping with your head on the kid's lap. Right. That's like, kid's not going anywhere. Right. It's, exactly. it's, it's kind of like a motion alarm. If that kid goes anywhere, you're going to wake <laughs> up. You're going to wake up. That's anything, better than sitting up and looking away. You know, uh, you could, could get away. Exactly. I think this is a foolproof plan. Uh, exactly. Short of handcuffs for the kid, mm-hmm, sure. <laughs> you know. Uh, so that was a long Meredith, conversation. If you, were, if you were sleeping with your head on Eddie's belly, he never would have gotten down the street. That's true. Yeah, you should really work on that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be careful around his belly. He's a boy dog. I'm not used to this. Yeah. Oh, it's gross. Um, <laughs> Short uh, dog bellies always smell like pee too. That's, I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, close to the source. There's a lot of splashback. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Luke may not be on social media besides his Twitter account, which he manicures heavily. But uh, Pod Dog has made a debut on Instagram, pod.dog on Instagram. Uh, I will confess that I re-downloaded the Instagram app to my iPhone specifically to go follow Pod Dog. I now follow one account on Instagram, and it's Pod Dog. <laughs> um, and I see a note here. Pod dogs up to three hundred and sixty-seven followers that, that, as of this recording. Yeah. Almost as many as we have. God dang it! I was about to say, how angry do we get when Pod Dogs Instagram has more followers than listeners to Little Red Pad? Um, we do a lot of work. He doesn't. He, come on, man. He just lays there and. Uh. I only have one hundred and fifty-three followers, and I've been on Instagram for years. Mm. Well, I've been on Instagram for years. I don't even know how to find my own accounts. If, if Eddie <laughs> had an Instagram page. My page is his page. There's nothing but pictures <laughs> right. of him. Much to the cat's chagrin. Yeah. Uh, we get a Canadian woman who plays a pick play on a wolf to throw her into a bear. Jesus. Uh, scary story. Uh, sounds like some serious Canadian ingenuity. Um, she's earned a lifetime supply of poutine and Labat Blue. Uh, and good for her. And it's a hell of a story. It just seemed weird to listen to that extended tape on Friday's show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good for her. And then uh, Andrew has fallen into the trap of forensic files. <laughs> I I did. La- the only time I laughed out loud this whole week was when Luke was singing made up lyrics <laughs> to the forensic file theme song. Yeah. Pick up an orange cube and put it on. A oh, God. Yeah. And I was picturing the <laughs> opening of that show, too, because, yeah, I. It's very uh, stupid and iconic, the the opening sequence of the Forensic Files. And I was thinking the only time I've ever done that, like with a theme song was like National Geographic. And I think it was like, come see the eagle. He's flying way up high in the sky. <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> I had like lyrics to the whole thing, you know, based on whatever was coming on the screen. <laughs> Just alleviates boredom when you're watching the same show over and over. We may have to get that in the clear, Mike. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. Uh, I don't know that I've ever written lyrics to a TV intro. This is a time when Christy really should be here because I'm sure she's got a whole story about this. 
My sister was just texting me. We both played the piano a lot when we were kids, and, and I was p- learning to play um, Send in the Clowns, <laughs> which was a song I had zero context for. I didn't know what it was or where it was from or anything. I was just a piece of sheet music, and I would make up my own words to that about getting in car crashes. Oh, goodness I don't remember any of it. That's, I'll have to ask her for that, details. That depressing scenario is actually extremely accurate for the song Send in the Clowns. Yeah. yeah. Also, imagine a clown car accident, how many injuries... And oh. fatalities there could be. Uh, Twenty six people in a Honda Civic. <laughs> it's going to not turn out well. There, there's an episode of The Simpsons when uh, Krusty the Clown has this comeback special. I believe it's the Krusty comeback something. I think it spells KKK. Anyway, uh, <laughs> he sings "Send in the Clowns," but with lyrics that make it like he's super depressed, but the lyrics are completely wrong. Right. And it's actually about clowns. <laughs> All comes back to the Simpsons for Bobby. Pretty every. much every time. Uh, and I think it does for Andrew too, by the way, I think he bites his tongue half the time, but I think there'd be a Simpsons reference every episode mm-hmm. if you'd let him a uh, couple other stray notes from Friday. Uh, one Nancy Grace is, uh, is hell on earth. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think we need to get into that. Uh, yeah. I, the newsroom, do you guys watch the newsroom? I have yeah. watched, I think I watched the first couple episodes of it. This is a rare time when there's a TV show that I've watched and other people haven't. Um, there's a great scene in the newsroom when they're talking about how to be manipulative for ratings and to make your show more sensationalized. And a TV producer literally just starts showing tape of Nancy Grace and breaking down the bullshit she's doing mm-hmm. to twist people and to keep watching. I might watch that scene if you get isolated. I think that I'd be very entertained by that because she she's very angry making for me. Yeah, she yeah. Is. Let me see if I can not write this second. But I make note for myself. Great, and I'll and I'll send you the picture of her nip slip on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, her silver yeah. dollar pancake size. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, Christy had a note over here. Oh yes, uh, the guys explaining to one another the science of how vision works. <laughs> and it's a mystery yeah. <laughs> that sides will never figure out just like diarrhea <laughs> uh of course living with an eye care professional i cringed at all of this but decided mm-hmm. not to pull sam into it to explain he explained the numbers thing pretty well yeah, fairly well uh and i think that's that's essentially it for friday there was a lot of rambling yeah it was a typical friday show um yeah so we're we're running long, so uh, we're not going to get into the housekeeping. Oh, getting involved, you know, littleredbandwagon.com is pretty much a button for everything there. Our show Twitter, at LRB Podcast. Um, email us, littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Uh, Nerd Out Loud, we don't have an update uh, this week because we don't have uh, our Nerd Out Loud host this week. So um, that's all I have. I guess... Um, Meredith, thank you for doing the show today. And uh, Bobby, you can get us out of here as Christy. Oh, sure. Uh, Until next time, this is the next party. Hey, that's a cool spin on it. Hey, we love you, Jen. (laughs) Nailed it. I also make up, I make up my own, I I make, uh, put down those welding goggles, (laughs) because shit's about to get real.